start off with a question. Are you feeling overworked and overwhelmed in your business? If so, this conversation is for you. Friends, I have to introduce you to Teresa Lowe. She is a leadership and business coach who helps business owners just like you streamline their business operations and build self-managed teams so that they can finally get their time back and scale with ease. Friend, do you want more time back? Do you want to scale with ease? Do you want people who can like read your mind and make it even better? Uh, yes, yeah, yes, that is coming. Prepare your hearts. I love what Teresa is all about. And I love that she's all about helping people make it kind of like somewhat sticky transition from wearing all the hats in a business to wearing just the most important hat. And that is the hat of business owner. Yes, the CEO, the visionary, the founder. Y'all, even if you're just getting started or even if you have just a team of one or even if you're like, I don't think that hiring somebody is for me. Today, Teresa and I are going to discuss how to take control of your life, but not let your customers down. We're going to talk about the signs that somebody is ready to begin building a team. What is the process to start building a team and the biggest struggle that business owners face when starting their team. And we get into a lot more. I have to take a second and tell you why this is so important. This conversation means a lot to me because I really, really, really wish somebody would have grabbed me by the shoulders and shaken me hard and said, you can grow faster. You can be stronger. You could think quicker. You could scale in ways you can't imagine if you just bring on somebody. And I'm not even talking about an employee, y'all. I am talking about the most basic virtual assistant. I am talking about people who just to take things off your plate. This is me having a conversation for you, wishing that somebody would have done the same for me. Okay, I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation because I have a feeling that when we're done, you're gonna realize that starting a team is more in your reach than you ever thought possible. Here it is, my conversation with Teresa Lowe. Friends, I just had a conversation with the ever amazing Teresa Lowe and she said to prepare your heart, which I, you know, it's amazing that she and I speak the same kind of language because y'all have to prepare your heart. We're going to be having conversations around, yes, wait for it, really understanding when and how to think about adding people to your team. So if you are feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, stressed, feeling like you're wearing way too many hats in your business, but you're kind of teetering on the spot of, I don't think I should, or I don't think I could hire a team, or what does it actually mean to lead a team? This conversation is going to blow your mind. I'm also partial to today's guest because not only do I know her in a personal capacity, we have been in masterminds together. I know her in a professional capacity. Like she has come on. We have hired her to give consulting and insights to the social curator team as we build and scale. So ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome Teresa Lowe. Teresa, I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank you so much. That was an amazing introduction and I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I have no doubt that you are going just to rain down some awesomeness and we're going to get into your origin story in a second. But before we do that, I really want to hook people in, talk to them about your brilliance, but don't worry, you're not going to have to talk about it. I'll be talking about your brilliance. You'll just have to talk and everyone will be like, wow, she's brilliant. Okay. So <laughs> I, like I might've mentioned, because we have been chatting 
for many years now, but you were also there when I debated starting the podcast. It was something that I talked about in masterminds and everybody was so encouraging. So let's bring you up to date now. Many of our listeners are solopreneurs or maybe they might have a virtual assistant and many people from what I hear are stressed, overwhelmed and burned out by their business, but they don't think they can afford bringing on somebody to help. So for somebody who's feeling that way, as we begin this conversation, what is something that you would say? Well, so what I do is I help the stressed out, the overwhelmed, the, the overburdened entrepreneur. I help them streamline the back end of their business and build a self-managed team at the same Ooh, time. Come and on. So, <laughs> and the self-managed team part is like super important. We're going to talk a lot about that today. But what I want people to understand is that one of the biggest mistakes, or I don't even want to call it a mistake. I I just want to call it one of the biggest roadblocks that people put in front of themselves is that they want to feel ready. They say, Mm. well, I'll hire when I'm ready. And it's what ready to them can mean one of two things. It either means emotionally ready, like I'm not ready to be in charge of people or financially ready. And what I want people to get is that you're never going to feel ready. It's not like the, a flip of a switch and you suddenly wake up and go, today I am so ready to hire a team. You never feel that way. Even when you're multi-six, multi-seven, you always have that next level that you're going to be hiring to. And there's always that hesitation. Oh, hold on, Teresa. Let's put a pin there because Teresa, see y'all, her brilliance just be rolling out like a, a fire hydrant <laughs> in a hot New York summer day. So she says multi-six, multi-seven. For anybody who's just like, wait, 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 what was that? Teresa is actually empowering people. So far before you become a six-figure entrepreneur, far before your business is bringing in 100,000 plus of income, far before your business is bringing in seven, a million dollars worth of income or revenue in a year, she's saying that she is helping people at different iterations. But I can testify that when I was in pre $100,000 projects, hiring somebody was scary. Then I was in post 100,000. Then I was like the 500,000. Then I was the 900 million and multi-figure businesses. And you never feel ready for the next step. So Teresa's saying you won't feel ready. And I am here to testify. I have never felt ready. And as we continue the conversation, she's going to speak to the readiness feeling. So I just wanted to pause there, Teresa, bring everybody onto that six and seven figure conversation and say, y'all, it doesn't get easier. It just gets different. So for people who say they're not ready and it's not a switch, how then do we pivot? What's going to be that one-two punch right now as we go into the conversation? Yeah, so it's actually a belief. So it's a belief that we have that, in order for us to have our successful business. So what, what people are thinking in their head is they're like, I will, when, when, I, when my business is successful, then I will hire people and my business will grow. And what I want people to do is flip that. Your business will grow when you start getting help and then Amen. it will become more successful. And so, so here's the thing. Normally, we are, you know, we're alone in our, in our little office with our laptop, especially when we're just a solopreneur. And it's hard to wrap your head around that. You're like, no, no, I need money first and I get, and I get successful, then I hire. So one of the analogies I give that I think really brings it home for people is if I were to come to you, Jasmine, we're at our mastermind and I say, hey, Jasmine, I'm going to start a hotel. And for this hotel, I've decided... I will be the one checking everyone in and I will be the maid service and I will be the person, I will be the concierge. I will be the person seating everybody in the restaurant. 
I will take everyone's order. I will cook the food and I will clean it up. You would think I'd lost my marbles, right? Yes. And yet that's what we do in our business, right? And the reason you would think I lost my marbles because you would be thinking, Teresa, first of all, you can't do any of those correctly. None of them will, you'll do none of them well, and you can't grow. And that's exactly what we have to realize that we can't do all the things, do it all well and grow. Now, I'm not, when I say hire, people immediately think full-time employee, all the paperwork, and the conversation that you and I are having, it can be a part-time virtual assistant. It can be a stay-at-home mom who just wants to help you out a few hours a week. Those few hours are gold, and you can use them to do money-making activities to grow. You will grow so much faster when you do that. Uh, Okay, so we're here. So when people like, let's just say they were on the precipice and like, wow, I just drank the Teresa juice. Great. They're (laughs) like, I think, I think I'm ready to bring somebody in to help me run the quote unquote hotel. So when they find, so when they say like, I acknowledge I can't do all the things well and I need help, but they're like, oh, well, I'm not sure how to decide what I need help with. What do you see as the biggest struggle? Like when someone's like, it's all the things, Teresa, and I don't want to spend all the time figuring out what is the thing I need the most help with? Yeah. So there's a couple things that are going on here. First of all, it's it, we're back to the beliefs, right? They're believing that probably they're the only ones that can do some of these things. And that absolutely isn't true because if you learned it, someone else can learn it. I've but been there. Yes, I've been there too. And and it's a constant thing as we get to new levels. I'm like, oh, but you know, this is fancy. <laughs> I learned how to do it. I'm a human being. Another human being can learn how to do those things too. But on top of that, we sometimes get so overwhelmed that we can't see the forest for the trees. And we may not even realize that we're doing some things that really could be handed off. Little things that we think those little things that just take up a little bit of time where we're just like, I'll just do it myself. Those little things add up to minutes, to hours, to days. Okay, give, me, give us an example before we go on. Don't lose your train of thought. But okay. I'm like, I know the listener right now is like, yes, but what? Okay, so like sitting there and loading in things, loading in up videos into YouTube or setting up your blog or uh, setting up your show notes for your podcast or doing your graphics when you are not a graphics company. Those kind of things are little and they're lower level activities. I don't mean lower level like you don't need intelligence to do them, but they're not CEO activities. And so what I tell people to do is to do a time audit. Now, people will roll their eyes and go, I don't want to do a time audit. That's just like tracking my day. And it sounds horrific. But what I want people to do is get conscious about what they're doing. So to do that, what that means is that you're going to take time a couple times a day and stop and write down, what was I just doing? And what I do is I teach people to put them into columns and figure out what is the value of that activity. So I have literally been about to do something in my own business where I was about to arrange the show notes for the podcast. I'm like, oh, I'll just do it myself. And I stopped myself and went, that's really not my job. I have someone to do that and I should just stop and let them do it. It doesn't have to be done right this second and I can tell them to do it. I did that and I got a phone call. I got on the phone call and it earned me $10,000. Now, if I hadn't taken that phone call, they would have gone to someone else. That was a $10,000 decision that I made right there. And someone on my team was able to do the podcast show notes. And I want to pause here because I brought Teresa on because 
Oftentimes, my biggest growths, my biggest leaps as an entrepreneur had nothing to do with what I did, but how I thought. And Teresa walked me through this exact process. And I have to say, I'm just going to come out and say it because this is like facts. We invested heavily in Teresa coaching our managers and myself and our team, but we're going to get to that in a second. But I am just saying that she's coming on the podcast and she's sharing these high level strategies because she cares about business owners. And also because I, before I bring anybody on this podcast, want to be like, Hey, I want her here because I did the work. So Teresa had me do a time audit, which makes me cringe. I was like, no, Teresa, please don't make me do the time audit. And she had said, Jasmine, if you are not doing tasks that are more than a thousand dollars an hour, you should not be doing that task. To which I was like, uh, excuse me, you have it all wrong. No. And when I did the time audit, I realized that I was doing tasks that I could be paying somebody $20 an hour to do. And that's when everything changed. And so I want to really highlight that until we actually itemize what we do in a day, you will clearly see, y'all, it took me one day. It took me one day for me to realize, oh, these three things right here, these are thousand dollar tasks that I should be doing as a leader of the company and everything else has to be delegated. So when she talks about time audits and when she talks about how she made the decision to not do a graphic and and instead book a client for $10,000, she says it because it works. I say it because it works. Now, how do you know? Like, what are some of the signs when you should be bringing somebody in your team? Because to me, it's not enough, Teresa, when someone's like, I'm overwhelmed, get a team member. That's not the answer. Like, no. what are the clear signs that someone's like, I need to bring somebody on? Yeah. It's really when you're starting to sacrifice yourself, when mm. you're working more hours than you ever intended, when you're sacrificing time with your family, when you're working on the weekends, when you when you really wanted to be doing something else. Snap, she's you- on a roll. She's on a roll, y'all. <laughs> she just said three things right now that people are like, ooh, ooh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, the reason I know is because these are the things that people tell me. They come mm-hmm. to me and they're like, I, I had one client who came to me and she, was, she said, we planned this whole outing for a Saturday. And she has a multi-seven-figure business. And when it came to the moment when they were packing up the car, and her husband's putting the kids in the car seats, she chose to stay home and do copy-paste activities so that something would be done on Monday. And it tore her up. And she was Mm. crying because she knew that was the moment that she had gone too far. And it was because she didn't have someone in her business that she felt she could hand that over to. And we're going to talk about what that looks like and how you find those right types of people so that you're getting the right people in the door. Can we do but, that now or yes. after you finish this thought? Yes. Like yes, I'm ready. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. this is good. <laughs> so the reason I know what causes people what, where they've hit that moment, it's when you're going so far beyond. It's not just like, oh, we're in a launch and we're all going to roll up our sleeves and hustle a little bit. Right. It's when it's day after day, week after week, and you are still doing far more than you ever intended. That means you really need to get help, even if it's a little bit of help. I know you did a podcast where you talked about how to hire And so when you and I were talking about doing this podcast, I was like, I really want people to understand what to do when they get them in the door. Because if you don't have that right person, then none of this matters, right? And I've made mistakes hiring. And I know everybody has made mistakes hiring. And so now, you know, I have this whole process. I teach people so that you get the right person in the door. So number one is to make sure that whoever you're going to hire is that they match you and your core values. 
So when I say that, people are like, oh, is that like a mission statement? And it's like, no, you have things that are very important to how you want the team and the brand to show up. So you want them to be of service. You want them to uh, be responsive to your customers. All of those things, you have to be very clear on that before you hire. So I tell people, you know, you can just sit down and write down words of what you want the team, even if it's a team of one that you're going to be bringing in, how you want them to show up and present themselves to your customers. And when I hire, and you know this because I hire differently than most people do, I don't look at the resume first. I look at the resume last. The first thing I do is make sure that this person has the right character, and that's building the environment that you're trying to build as a team, even if you're bringing in your first person, because here's what I tell people, you can teach the right person anything, but you can't teach character. You can't get someone to change their character. So if you get the right person in the door and they're responsive, they're a problem solver, they're a go-getter, I can teach them anything and they don't have to have any background. So I want to pause here and just co-sign on this again, because Teresa was the person who really coached me on how, like what to do when you get people in the door and we follow the same approach. We do not look at resume first. We look at character. And this is something we learned distinctly from her. And now that the social curator team is, we're hiring as we are speaking now, but at the current time of this recording, it's 19 people. And when I look at these 19 people, I am blown away at the caliber, not of brilliant minds, although they're brilliant. It's the caliber of humans that these are the people who will solve massive problems, give you the jacket off their back and in their free time, choose a charitable organization. And I think to myself, how, how did this happen? And I think it happens by way of character instead of resume. So Teresa, can you extend a little bit about what that looks like? Yes. So when we are building out the process of hiring. I I want people to think of it like a hurdler, jumping over hurdles to get to the prize, which is an interview, okay? And we set up roadblocks in front of these people. There's some things they have to problem solve in order to turn in different pieces. And we send them something and they have to see, are they detail-oriented? Are they a problem solver? Can they figure out how we want them to send this in? Um, I had one, one person I know of who, when they go through the hiring process, they told them they had to fax in their resume, had to fax it in. And oh my God, what is this, 1992? Anyway. Yeah, and they did it that way on purpose because it meant they had to get in the car and go find some place to fax, wow. right? Or figure out how to do it tech-wise on their, on their computer. So it was a problem and people were like, can I text can I turn it in this way? And they're like, nope, you have to do it this way. And it was, they were looking for a problem solver. So we set up hurdles when we're hiring so that the person who makes it over all the hurdles and, you know, you start out with 500 people and you come down to the end and you have 10 and those 10 have shown that they have the characteristics that we're looking for. And then we can get down to the nitty gritty of their resumes and really getting to know them and interviewing them. So I want to pause here because oftentimes people say, but I just don't know if I, like, I'm so stressed out. I don't have the time it takes for me to hire, which I'm going to probably take a page from Teresa's book and say, that's a belief. So if you believe you don't have time, guess what? You won't. If you believe you can find at least a few minutes every day and furthermore, give some pre-qualifiers to immediately push people out. So for instance, one of the things, like one of our hurdles that Teresa has taught us is when we put out a job listing, at the bottom of the listing, we will say, put this in the subject line of the email. 
If somebody responds and does not have that exact wording in the subject line of the email, it's something like, I am perfect to be your marketing manager, right? So we'll make it a pretty significant thing. If they just say resume, interview, social curator, candidate, we, we don't even open the email because if people can't follow that tiny bit of direction already, so all these people, we literally turn away hundreds of applications because if you don't follow that at the beginning, you ain't going to follow the rest of the things at the end. Another hurdle that we ask people, and when you're hearing this, you're like, that's not really a hurdle. You would be surprised. We ask people to record a one minute video explaining why they're a perfect fit for the position. We don't need to edit it. It can be on your phone. But I am telling you, eight and a half, nine out of 10 candidates will not do a video. If you're not willing to put together a one minute video on your iPhone, there's a really good chance you're not a good fit for our culture. So when Teresa's talking about these hurdles, these are examples of some of the hurdles that we put at Social Curator as taught to us by Teresa. So once we have those hurdles and once you kind of get those candidates to around five to 10, let's say, what then? So then we go through the hiring process and that's when we do narrow down to the people that fit, like you actually read their resume and you're checking to see, is this person look like they would be a good fit for me? The video is a really important piece. And I, and I want to talk to that because people think, well, now I have to watch 500 videos. And the truth is that, like you said, most people don't do it. And we're looking for someone who's brave and is willing to step out of their comfort zone in order to be a powerhouse team player. And Teresa, we have a virtual team. Yes. So you have to be comfortable on video, like period, the end. So if you're not willing to do make a video that one person's going to see, you're going to have a really hard time representing the business as we run it online. Exactly. Exactly. And we tell them to make it short. So it's like one to two minutes, whatever yep. it is that, that we tell them. And so you're not going, you don't actually have to go through as many. It doesn't take as long. But once you have chosen who you want to interview, then we go through the interview process and it's, there's a whole series of questions. But what we're really trying to do is get to know them and see if, you know, if there's a chemistry, if they feel like they would fit in. And when you, in your case, Jasmine, you already have a team. So the company culture is like gold, right? We don't want to mess that up. We don't want to bring in someone toxic or abrasive to the rest of the team. And because you follow everyone's fits you and fits the core values, they have to fit you and the core values to get past that gate in the door. So that's why your team is so amazing because you are so, so careful. You don't just bring in anybody just because their resume looks good. And so, yes, people have to take some time with the interview process, but the other hurdles, people self-select and self-disqualify themselves. So it's not as much work as people think. And I I kind of want to chat here about one quick thing is that I have made a decision to, because culture is so important, but I believe it's even that much more important on a virtual team because there's a lot of communication that happens online via email, via Slack. And I need to make sure that who we're bringing in really pushes the business forward. And so I've made the dedication that for the first 100 team members of Social Curator, we're only at 19, we got a way to go. But I have made the commitment to meet the first 100 because I believe that the first 100 employees of Social Curator, those are gonna be the people who push the culture far beyond me being the driver behind it. So I'm gonna be super selective. So even though we have managers who are are going through the process, they will tell me, Jasmine, I really believe this is our strongest candidate. I will have a one-on-one interview and I'll say, oh, I get why. Let's move forward. So this is just something that I'm thinking about now. And I want to be very clear at the time of this recording, it is 2021. We hired our first team member in 2016. 
And we had around three team members for about three years before we really scaled. So I was learning these things from Teresa far before I was ever comfortable to actually use them. And then they worked. So Teresa has an Instagram post I'm going to read here. And it's quote, to have a powerhouse team, you must be a powerhouse leader for them to follow. How would an average business owner listening to this podcast know if they're a powerhouse leader? Like what makes us a powerhouse? Like I have a hard time even admitting that now. And I've been in the game a minute. Somebody who's listening is like, I don't know. What are tales and signs of a powerhouse leader? So I, I know that a lot of your listeners are parents. And it, I think that's, this is the best analogy that I can give. When you are not a powerhouse team leader, you tend to be a helicopter CEO, like someone who is a helicopter parent, right? You hand off just tasks and then you hover to make sure that they do it right. What we want to do is step more into mentoring the team. So mm. what does that look like? Well, it's just like with parenting. When my boys moved out of the house to go to college, we were just talking about this. I wanted to make sure that they knew how to do their laundry, how to cook, how to take care of, you know, even changing their sheets, all of that stuff. And I can't tell you how many parents were talking about when their kids went off to college that the kids didn't know how to cook and they didn't even know how to do their laundry. And these were 18, 19-year-old kids. So it's the same in our business. If we want someone to own the role that we're giving them, and that's always what people tell me, it's like, I hire someone, but they just don't own it. If you want them to own it, then you have to to think of more like a parent and think, what do they need to know and understand in order for them to be able to have the results that I want? And then you focus on making sure that they learn what they need to know and understand, not just handing them a task, they complete it and they hand it back. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes so much sense. I think that this is amazing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat back what Teresa said, is in order to be a powerful leader, we have to show people, our team, how to do what we want them to do. If we want them to fold, we need to teach them how to fold. We can't expect them to get in our mind, which I want to loop back a little bit to something you had mentioned about the core values. So I don't want us to like glaze over that because that's a new, it was a new concept for me when I first learned about it with you around 2018-ish. And I always felt like, well, you know, the team and I, we get along and it's great. But as we expanded, we needed a shared set of values. And these became our core values. Now you've walked us through the process and I will, if you're listening right now, you're like, ah, this is just does not sound like me. I know I was there too. But let me just tell you on the other side, it has become our totem pole. This is how we communicate with each other. This is how we, honestly, as a leader and as somebody who has to sit down with employees, I say, these are our core values. I'm going to rank you at what I think you're at here to ensure we're on the same page. So I'm not going to go through all of our core values. We have five. It's recommended around four. I think we're a little rogue, right? We're a little rogue with our fifth one, but that's how I, that's that's how I roll. That's how I roll. So one of our core values, our leading, our leading core value is reliability. And so when you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And I'm going to tell you, I drive this one home. I do not give a rip what comes up. Get it done. The chief complaint, if you really, really, really want to get under my skin as a CEO, is we empower our team to set their own deadlines. 
If they are setting their own deadlines and then they don't hit it without a notification, I get it. Things come up. If we get a notification, that's cool. We'll amend. But if you get to that end and it is not done, I say our number one core value is we must be able to rely on you because we're not in an office. Nobody can pick up your slack without you. So as people are listening, what are things that really, really matter to you? You might, your number one core value might be fun. Fun is not a high value for me. I won't get it done. But for somebody who's just like, I need to have fun, then you need to say, I need to hire, I need to attract, I need to hire, and then I need to measure that person for fun. So Teresa, is there anything that people can do to be like, well, how do I find my core values? Yeah. So what I tell people, because it's it sounds very corporate-y, like, ooh, core right. values, it, you know, it sounds so corporate. And that's not what we're talking about here. So what I tell people is, what do you not want? that's usually easier. So for me, like what's a pet peeve that you have? Pick a core value that is the opposite of that. So for me, it's ghosting or non-responsiveness. That is a pet peeve, especially with a virtual team. If I hand something off to someone, it's kind of like what you're talking about. If I hand something off for someone and they, I don't know that they received the handoff, then I'm, it's spinning in my head. Are they working on it? Is it like, as I've had times where I thought they were working on it and they weren't <laughs> and the deadline came and it's like, oh, that never got done. So responsiveness is one of our core values because my pet peeve is being ghosted or non-responsiveness. Ooh, so, so what good. I want people to think of is what's something that just gets under your skin. And you just like gave a perfect example. It's similar to mine. Another one if for me is when people are out of integrity, whether in my personal life or business life, when they say one thing, but they do another, that really gets under my skin because integrity is one of my personal core values. So our top core value in my business is integrity. So you just want to think of what is it that really gets under your skin and pick a core value that's opposite and that'll get you started. The other thing is it just has to be a rough draft right? Mm-hmm. You'll learn with time as you hire more people, it'll get more and more refined. This doesn't have to be the perfect statement that you like put on the wall or anything like that. It's just to get you started as what is important to you. Absolutely. And the reason why I have said that Teresa recommends around four was because I had like eight or nine and I was like, no, Teresa, let me be my independent thinker. And what I realized is the more core values you have, the less you can really drill down and hold somebody accountable. Your core values, or at least in our team, is for accountability. Like we need something to measure and say, hey, we got to get back in alignment. When you have a lot and then all of a sudden since somebody says, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm four out of the eight, I'm doing okay. When, when, if you're missing the majority of them when it's a small amount of numbers and it has different weight. So Teresa recommends four, we have five, we'll be narrowing it down in a little bit, but you know. You one, hit on something though, something oh, yeah, if I can interrupt. Yeah, yeah you said something about accountability and that's mm-hmm. something we haven't talked about yet. Like, okay, I know I need to find someone who matches me, someone who has my core values and I bring them in the door, but then they get the other reason that people don't even hire is because they don't know what to do next. And setting up accountability the minute they walk in the door is super important. And people might be going, okay, but wait, what's accountability? Isn't that responsibility? And so for me, it's two different things. Accountability and responsibility are different. Being accountable for something means you're the lifeguard of it. You own it. You watch it. When we hand someone a role in our business, you know, social media manager, podcast manager, anything like that, even being an executive assistant, 
that role is what they are accountable for. They need to watch it and be the lifeguard. If someone's drowning, they're the first ones that are going to see it and they either have to fix it themselves or alert the others, right? Wave the flag. But when we say responsible, responsible to me is a, a, a done, a, something that you're going to do. It's something, it's mm. a doing thing. So someone can be accountable for the podcast. I have a podcast manager. She's accountable. Her job is to make sure that the podcast goes out the door on time every single week. There are responsibilities within that job, but she's not doing all those things, but she is accountable to make sure they get done. So, for example, our editor, she will make sure that the audio goes to the editor and she will make sure that it comes back, but she didn't have to do the editing, right? But she's accountable for the whole podcast. So, when we bring people in the door and we hand them this role or these different tasks or different things rolled up in a ball that we want them to be in charge of, people will say, but they just don't own it. And, and that's because we're handing them, we're figuring out what we want them to do. We're handing them the task, but we're not handing them the accountability. Mm -hmm. And if you hand them the accountability, then they will own it. That means that they're the lifeguard. And I use the word lifeguard because people get that. They're like, oh, I'm the lifeguard of the podcast, right? If it's drowning, I'm in charge of fixing that. And that's what we have to do the minute people walk in. Uh, that, I, that was actually in super alignment with one of the follow-up questions. So I just want to thank okay, you perfect. for the yeah. distinction between being accountable and being responsible. When somebody is accountable, so if you decide, okay, this first hire is going to be an admin assistant. It's going to be a VA who works two hours a day. Now, friends, think about this. You hired somebody for minimum wage, two hours a day times five days a week. What would you do with an extra 10 hours? And let's just say they're basic, basic admin roles, like cleaning or organizing your inbox, only sending you the emails that you must respond to. What if this person organized your Dropbox links? What if this person created thumbnails for videos? What if this person outlined what your social media posts would be? Imagine 10 hours. So what Teresa is just saying is if you hired this first person for two hours a day, they become accountable to getting it done. And then they are responsible for subtasks within it or managing other people to ensure that it gets done. So along the lines, we're speaking at your podcast. I'm going to bridge two things. On one of your Instagram posts, you mentioned most people don't realize that in order to have a great team, you need to be a great leader. Part of being a great leader means understanding the difference between being a doer and a delegator. That distinction is extremely important, but if you're, because if you're a doer, you're probably feeling stretched pretty thin and burnt out. But when you can lead your team to execute on your vision and delegate the everyday tasks to them, you open your brain to be a visionary that takes your dream to the next level. So that was a quote. And the quote is a leader becomes a delegator and not a doer. And then you took this idea of delegation even deeper because in one of your recent podcasts, now for those people who are listening, Teresa has a podcast called Streamlined and Scaled. So in one of your podcasts, you talked about being quote, overworked and overwhelmed. And then you shared three tips to get in control of your life and, and to not let your customers down. Now we started the conversation there. We started by saying people are stressed and overwhelmed and they're not sure what to do. And then you told us that really heartbreaking story of a woman who delayed or did not go on a vacation because she had to do simple tasks. She was overwhelmed and overworked. What are three tips that right now, as we kind of close in on in, how do we get to the point to where we can become a delegator to feel less overwhelmed? Yeah. So that's such a, that's such a big question. Let me see if I can pull it into, <laughs> into I know. Sorry. I'm just like, girl, 
he's like, we're wrapping it up now. I'm going to give you this giant question. <laughs> That's how I do. That's how yes. I do. So oftentimes people come to the podcast and then they tell me after like, I, I was sweating so profusely. I had to change my shirt. Hey, I come in hard, Teresa. What can I say? <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Okay. So, so the question is how to become more of a delegator rather than a doer. Is that right. Because sometimes, I mean, oftentimes the things that I've heard is people will hire somebody and then they still feel like they're doing half of the thing that they've yeah. hired somebody to do because they don't know how to delegate. Yeah. Okay. And so they stay so, overwhelmed. Yeah. So it, that's really a case of not, well, first of all, we have to back up. Sometimes that happens just because I, I want to be clear on that. Sometimes that happens because you hired the wrong person. There's two types of people you can hire. You can hire a box checker and there are box checking type activities, a box checker, or you can hire someone who will drive your business forward. And when you, when you bring in the right person who is a driver for your business, they will go beyond those box checking things without you even do anything because they're that that personality that we were talking about hiring that powerhouse. So when in order to go from being a doer to a delegator, you have to be able to speak have really good communication when you hand something off. So a lot of times what people will do is they literally will it's we're back to the helicopter parenting thing, but they will literally figure out everything that this person has to do and then they will hand them that list. And what I encourage people to do is we're going to push them into the deep end right off the bat. They can have floaties on, okay? You're not going to let them drown, but we want to push them into the deep end. And there's actually something that I think I could walk you through. There's something I call the four lets that I think would be really, give a lot of clarity to people. Oh, let's do it. Okay. All right. So there's, there's something I teach called the four lets, and it's when you're onboarding someone and it's so that you can right off the bat be getting into the accountability stage rather than handing off a bunch of tasks on a list stage. Okay. So the first let, this is, let's say you're bringing in someone to do social media for you. So the very first let is that you're going to say, let me show you. And that's where day one, they come in and you're going to show them either what you're currently doing, if you have some ninja thing and you want them to step into it, or you're going to show them the mess and say, this is what we're currently doing, but I know we can do better, right? So you're going to show them. The second let is you're going to say, let me watch you do it and I will mentor you. Now, this you want to get to that stage immediately. You only have to show them once. So what I do is let we go back to that social media, especially in the, your audience. You've hired a social media manager. Uh, what I do is I have them start working a few weeks ahead. So there's no pressure of time like, you got to get this together. I want to see some posts. We're posting it tomorrow, right? That doesn't give them a chance to be mentored. And what in the mentoring stage, what we're really trying to do is let them learn our criteria in our head. So you have shown them what, what you are previously doing and you have them go off and maybe create a week's worth of social media posts and they bring them back and you're, you are not going to just tweak and fix. That's what most people do. They're like, nope, nope. And they're redoing it. What I want you to do is ask, okay, I see how you did this. What made you pick that? You want to find out what was the criteria that made them make the choices that they did. And then you explain what your criteria is. So I've had instances where a CEO had someone who was planning an event for them. And the person was coming back with all these very inexpensive menus for the event. And, it, and they were like, I couldn't figure out why all, it was just not up to snuff what I would pick. And I didn't know how to explain it. And then she asked, what's the criteria you're using for picking the food? And she said, well, I'm looking for the, to save the most money. 
Well, this was for a high-level mastermind, and the CEO wanted it to be luxurious, but she hadn't articulated that. So Mm. she then was able to say, no, the criteria is this. And so that's how we get them in our head is by letting them know what our criteria is. So that's the second let is you're mentoring them and getting that the criteria of how you make decisions. Why do you pick green? Why do you want it to sound this way? What is the voice that you want them to have? And you mentor them through it. The third let is let me see you do it now, because at this point, now you don't have to watch and like coach them. You've Mm -hmm. gone from the coaching stage to where you're starting to feel comfortable. Now they just go off and they are doing it, but you just make a final approval before it goes out the door. This stage, sometimes people stay at for a long time until they feel really, really comfortable and can trust the work that's coming in. But the fourth stage is to let go. And that's where you really feel like they've got it. You've checked it and you're not making any changes. You're checking it. There's nothing wrong. And you get, when you hit that for a period of time that you feel comfortable, you can let go and you don't have to hover anymore. So by doing that, it's a soft learning of the delegation process. But delegation in itself is really about communicating the results that you want. So it's crystal clear. They need to really understand, like, what is the reason behind doing this? What's the why? What's the purpose? And what does done look like? When they can have a really clear uh, vision in their head of what done looks like and why they're doing this thing, they can go off and do it without asking you 50,000 questions. So part of it is on us to have really good communication. And that's how you step into the delegation. Oh, this is so, so good. And I know we have been work, we've worked together for years. I've hired you to do um, independent coaching with a few key players on the team. You also hosted a lunch and learn. It was social curators. We have this thing, like kind of like, because we're a virtual team, like team building, call them lunch and learn. And so part of our hiring process, which we took a page out of Teresa's book, was to have people do a personality test called the Myers-Briggs. And so this helps us figure out kind of personality. Now, nothing is set in stone, but it just kind of clues us off. Like, are you an extrovert? Are you an introvert? Are you a high processor? Do you like to focus on details? Do you like big picture? So this helps us kind of find the team dynamic. And so a lot of times when people have to take that test just to apply, it kind of myths them. They're kind of like, ugh, I can't believe it. But again, it's our hurdle and it helps us understand them going into a possible interview. Well, we brought Teresa on. We had this lunch and learn. And she walked us through a lot of exercises. And I have to say that the reason why we brought Teresa on the podcast is because she's been such a gift in not coaching us on how to be a better team, not coaching us on how to hire. Those things did happen, but she was really a good coach at shifting our beliefs. And so that's kind of where I, I, we started and that's where I would like to end. It's shifting the belief from, I am not ready. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time and I don't know how. So Teresa, for the people, we just went through this conversation and they're still like, but, but, but it's like one thing that you could say, like, I've been there. I've seen that. What do you say next? How, how can we get those people to make that small shift and say, maybe, maybe I am ready to hire an an assistant for a few hours a week. Absolutely. I think what's most important for people to take away from this is that Number one, you're not going to feel ready. And so because of that, you need to start wrapping your head around what it's costing you by waiting. It's really costing you your growth and it's costing you money coming in that can allow you to grow even bigger. So when we bring anyone on the team, 
it should be a money-making activity. It's, I don't look at it as an expense. I look at it as a growth because every single person should help you make money. And if they're not, they're either not set up properly or they're not the right person. So when you are looking at this, I want you to think back to that hotel analogy and think, if I'm doing all the jobs and if I'm not doing any of them well or I can't, I, like I'm maxed out, there's no more hours in the day, I'm, I'm already not getting enough sleep, how long are you going to stay there before you make a change? Because hiring is a skill. It's a skill just like the way we study how to do social curator and how to get our social media better and how to do a webinar and all the things that we do to have a better business. Hiring is a skill. Everyone has to learn it and you have to learn it sometime. If you're going to grow your business at some point, you're going to have to bring someone in to help you. So what I always ask people is, okay, how long are you going to stay here and stay stuck? And at some point, you're going to be ready. And it's not as scary as people think. It's really not. And they don't have to start full-time employee. It can be baby steps. That's how I started. That's how I encourage others to start. A baby step. And if you already have people on your team, then you just want to up-level those people. Like get them more dialed in, be more supportive of them, or bring in the next level person so that you can grow even bigger. Teresa, thank you. I think that was like a big, big, big shift is like every person that I bring on my team and every person that anybody brings on their team, they should be revenue generators and not drains. Ooh, I received that. That was like a, such a good shift. Look at you shifted me again. It was such a good <laughs> shift as we go into another season of hiring and expansion on the team. So selfishly, Thank you for this free coaching session. <laughs> and selfishly, I say thank you on behalf of our tens of thousands of thousands of listeners, just to say thank you for helping us move our businesses in the right direction of scaling our growth. I appreciate you. How can people follow up with your podcast and your other resources? Yes. So they can find me everywhere uh, at streamlined and scaled with and spelled out. So the website streamlinedandscaled.com, my Instagram at streamlined and scaled. I am on Clubhouse at Teresa Lowe, but everything else is streamlined and scaled. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you for giving so generously to this community. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. Bye, babe. Come on, tell me right now. Isn't Teresa just amazing? I really hope this episode is leaving you fired up to start building a team on your own. I have to let you know that from a very personal perspective, I know that the moment I brought somebody to help me in the business was the moment that I started growing faster than ever without any more work added to my plate. I was growing without doing more. Come on. It was like a dream come true. I really want the same for you. And seeing how I want the same for you. I'm going to ask a question, right? Because we just delivered this episode coming in nice and hot. I'm going to ask, did you enjoy this episode? If so, I am going to invite you to enter to win one of three Social Curator annual memberships by partaking in a contest. Y'all, this is the first time we're doing this on the podcast. I am so excited. I'm geeking out. Okay, yes, you can win an annual membership. It is a $499 value. Come on, y'all, do this contest. We're gonna have fun. I love contests. I love games. I'm so competitive. I can't even deal. Okay, but the good news is that winners are gonna be chosen at random. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcast, screenshot your review and go to jasminestar.com forward slash review contest, jasminestar.com forward slash review contest. I will be choosing three lucky winners to get an annual membership 
to Social Curator. So another thing, enrollment for Social Curator, it's closed right now, okay? So this is the only way you can get in on the group coaching, the accountability calls, the caption templates, the photos, your daily social media plan. I mean, y'all, the goods. You're going to get the goods for a year. So leave a review and head to jasminestar.com forward slash review contest before submissions close on Friday, May 14th, 2021. I wish you all the best.